Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Kenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about the fantasy movies, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, and Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings. But first, let's catch up. That was a mouthful. Yeah. I feel like it's a requirement of fantasy sci-fi things to have a colon. It's like a Fall Out Boy song. Yeah. True. So I saw the Kristen Stewart movie, Underwater, and it was really good. I liked it a lot. There, oh, were, I mean, it had like, what? No, I want to see that. That's fine. Okay. I thought something. I thought you stopped recording no. or something. <laughs> um, I mean, it had like some, like, there was a bad, like, voiceover and then it like had some cheesy, corny parts, but I have really enjoyed it. Do you know about it? It's, yes, okay, I do. So basically... They're like, um, for the listeners who don't know what it's about, Kristen Stewart is on this like underwater rig that is steady, is like drilling into the center of the earth or something. And she's lived there for like six years and it's, the movie starts and it's like exploding Mm -hmm. and they have to escape to a different part of the base to get into the only remaining escape escape pods and there's like six people that are alive still so they Hmm. form a band and they try and travel to the uh base but um there are like fish aliens that are trying to kill them on the way so um as fish aliens are wont to do yeah But Kristen Stewart's whole look in it is great. Highly recommend. Um, she had like the same haircut as Jenny. Oh, cool! Buzzed, bleach blonde. Good, good well, look for her. We will never not support a Kristen Stewart venture. Yeah. So, I liked it. I do recommend it. It's very hetero though, so that sucked. But I just can't believe it. <laughs> it's it's just. Anyway, I'm also, I watched uh, Sex Education Season 2, which, um, it's just such a good show. It's very funny and charming and great looks. I, like, want to wear everything that the character Ola wears. Um, And there's a, at the end of Episode 7, there's a part where, like, all the girls come together and I cried. Oh, It was so cute. Yeah. Um, And that's, like, my trigger my cry my cry button is women coming together <laughs> the scene in avengers yeah um and then my third thing is another season two or part two i guess is carol and tuesday the anime on netflix that i've talked about before on this show um it's honestly the show that we need in this election season because mm. uh tuesday's mom is basically like Trump <laughs> and is running for like president of Mars <laughs> and they like all come together all the musicians it's up to them <laughs> to write a song that stops her that basically stop her. oh my <laughs> yeah. god it's so good though I like it's it so good um highly recommend what are you into? Um, what I'm into this week, I got sucked into, along with many other people, this documentary on Netflix called Cheer. I don't I know watched if you watched all of it. it. You watched I all of it, too? Yep. Um, you know, I, I'm i like a sucker for sports documentaries, 
and TV shows about sports, even though I have no interest in sports. You know, I have no interest in sports because there's no character development um, <laughs> that I can notice. But in Cheer, there's plenty of that. It's about a group of cheerleaders in um, Corsicana, Texas, which is about three hours away from where I am right now. Um, at this community college called Navarro College. And what struck me about the series and what pulled me in so much was, um, you know, it's, it's these kids who either come from poor backgrounds, broken families, and this, the, them being athletes is kind of like the only way for them to achieve success in their life. It's like mm-hmm. the only venue of success available to them in some ways. And yet it's this incredibly punishing sport that they aren't going to be able to do past the age of 20. You know, so it's like this really brief window that they throw all of their time and effort into doing. And I read this writer, I forget their name, on LA Review of Books, who kind of put it really brilliantly. Like the show is asking, like, is cheerleading worth this time? And if not, what is worth this time? You know, like what Mm -hmm. is worth our time to dedicate ourselves to? Um, And then I read another really compelling article in The Atlantic about why the coach is like really bad. Yeah, I've. I read that too because I had cheer on here first, and then I was like, "Wait, I don't. I'm not ready to talk about it because I'm like, afraid that yeah. I'm wrong." <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did think it was weird throughout the show. You know, these kids get concussions, like fractured ribs, and yeah. the coach is this woman named Monica Aldama. I think um, so. Yeah. And you know, she just kind of, you know, is like impassively staring at them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of women online like this article points out that Reese Witherspoon's like, she's a girl boss uh, of the coach, you know? And it's, it's just really interesting dynamic. And these kids would like do anything for her, but it makes for a very compelling documentary subject and Mm -hmm. definitely made me very emotional. It kind Mm -hmm. of, I've always, whenever I watch something like this, I'm like, I wish I did a sport in high school instead of musical theater. (laughs) (laughs) I always, I like think that too, but then I'm like, there are so many other things that I'm interested in. I couldn't devote like, all your time all my time to mm. like like i needed to go home and be on tumblr sometimes so yeah I be it. also if anyone yelled at me or made me do anything i would be like i quit yeah same <laughs> um i'm also just finished a book by rebecca tracer called good and mad and it's about the power of women's um anger in politics mm. uh it covers you know like um the suffragettes up to like the me too movement and it's really good. I think Rebecca Tracer does like a really good job of kind of like balancing out her perspective as like a white journalist um, with like historical texts and like women of color who have come before her and, you know, also were writing about this type of thing. Um, it did make me feel like really, I don't even know why I'm recommending it because it made me feel like sad sometimes too, where I was like, mm-hmm. we have, we all have gone through this like transformative anger and yet nothing has happened, you know, like nothing Mm. has changed. Um, you know, these men are still in power and yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Here's something I actually can full throatedly. I don't know. I don't know. That's, is that a phrase? Uh, (laughs) shrill season two, which I watched all of yesterday. Um, you know, I just like it. It's just good. It's just fun to watch Edie Mm -hmm. Bryant on screen. I like Mm -hmm. the, weird mix of um humor and realism ah oh, that's a stupid thing to say because humor is realism <laughs> oh, i'm stupid no stop <laughs> anyway it's just really good i know it, what you mean it like it gets to funny like real to- like yeah exactly and everything ad bryant wears on that show is so cute i 
I remember watching the first season and I was like, I'm going to need a full roundup of all of these designers that mm-hmm. she's wearing. Um, and same for this season. Yeah. So those are the I'm very I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. It, it's really cute. And, uh, has some like pretty good developments with stuff that she was putting out there in season one. I did think it was funny. I tweeted about this, that there's an episode about corporate feminism, like making fun of like girl bosses. And the episode on Hulu was sponsored by Glossier. That's so weird. How, how was it sponsored? Like, did it show like a sponsor by Glossier? Yeah. This was like Like, the first thing I've watched on Hulu that did it like this. It was like, this episode is brought to you by Glossier. And then it had a million Glossier ads throughout it. Wow. That's crazy. That was really weird because Glossier is definitely falling into that avenue yeah. of yeah. Um, girl Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we are. We should talk about why we're doing this episode. Yes, we should. So today, Monday, the 27th, is our bestie's birthday. Kether Happy, happy birthday, Kether. She's <laughs> turning a young spry 26. Yes. She's but a babe. And... <laughs> Uh, we have often said that she is like Arwen in Lord of the Rings, which I think yeah. is one of the nicest things you could say about someone. Uh, yeah. She's like an ethereal elf woman. Yeah. She's but like a, a real life elf fairy person. She is. <sighs> and she says she doesn't listen to us because the movies are too scary. But these ones are not too scary. <laughs> and she loves them so, so uh, this is a this is an episode sponsored by Kether's interest yeah <laughs> i remember like target audience of in, one i remember in, we used to watch these in college to because Kether was my roommate we i remember like our sophomore year we it was like the first snow of sophomore year and we decided to watch chronicles of narnia and it was so nice that's so sweet that sounds like the best way to watch chronicles of narnia yeah it was great <laughs> You could pretend to be little Lucy in the snow, seeing fawn. <laughs> we should just dive into it. Mackenzie, I am going to take this one because it has a reference to Lazy Sunday by Lonely Island at the beginning. Okay. And I don't understand that. So no. Go ahead. You must have thought I was uh, off my rocker. Okay. No, I was like, okay, she's really getting theatrical with it. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of their song. We're about to get taken to a dream world of magic in Narnia. When they are evacuated to a countryside manor during the Blitz of London, the four Pevensey children, Pevensey? Pe- Pevensey? Pevensey. Pevensey children discover a magical realm within an old wardrobe. It's Narnia, a mystical kingdom ruled by the cruel white witch who keeps the land in the cold grip of a winter without Christmas. Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy are heralded as the rightful rulers of Narnia by the talking animals who call it home. Before they can reclaim their thrones, they must defeat the dreadlocked white witch and her army of bad talking animals. Luckily, they have a Jesus-like lion named Aslan in their court. Jesus and those who follow him never lose. And this movie came out in 2005 when we graduated elementary school. And we're, I think, between Lucy and Edmund's ages, or Edmund's age, I can't really... Yeah, I don't know how old and like I think what was I like thirteen when this movie came out? Maybe thirteen. I, I, I was twelve, so you were probably thirteen. Yeah, yeah. And I did think Peter was hot. I thought and Peter was watching hot it now. I was like, wow, I like these He's are child. Like, literal children. Yeah, funny to have <laughs> memories of stuff like that. Like, did you watch School of Rock? Yep. I was so into Freddie from School of Rock. Yeah. The drummer, the drummer. Me too. Me too. And P- another one is Peter Pan. I had oh, the biggest yeah. crush on Peter Pan. <laughs> I think that's common for a lot of women our age is crushing yeah. on Peter Pan, who would later go on to have um, 
a guest starring role in Friday Night Lights, which you would know oh, really? if you had watched. Well, I, I'm sorry. I tried it's, to watch it before it got off Netflix and then I... It's on Amazon, so... It is on... It's okay. So maybe I'll... And it's just like cheer, but everyone cares more deeply. I did watch a lot of it. That's so. fine. Yeah. Kether, if you're listening, you also have to watch Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Um, please listen. <laughs> this episode is for you. <laughs> and these movies are not scary and you like them. <laughs> um, so this was probably my... I did not watch this movie. Rewatch it in college. I feel like this is my first time watching it since 2005. Oh, really? Yeah. I so watched it like years. so many times. Like That's crazy. I've seen this movie a lot. <laughs> That's crazy. Honestly, yeah. I'm going to be honest with our Chick Flicks listenership slash Kether. This movie, <laughs> I could barely get through it. I was so bored and annoyed by everything in it. Don't worry, Kether. I'm going to be more kind-hearted. I, li- I still like it. <laughs> it just... It's not as good as Lord of the Rings, obviously. But Okay, so how about you start? Okay, so... About why you liked it. I like... The magical atmosphere of the movie, I like the... It gives me the same, like, warm, fuzzy feeling as Harry Potter in that, like, it makes me feel like I can believe... Or, like, as a kid, that I, like, believed in magic for real. Like, after I saw Prince Caspian, I had, like... And this was, like, in high school. I had, like, an existential (laughs) crisis. And I just played the Regina Spector song from the end of the movie, like, on repeat. Oh, my God crying (laughs) um but i just it's so cozy because it like presents this like christmas time feeling um and it the favorite parts of the movie for me are like when they're just like drinking hot cocoa in like a little animal's home you know like i love that or when they're just like going on hike. So, but just a lot of it yeah. too. So. Yeah, that's true. They are hiking a lot. and Which is also one of my favorite parts of Lord of the Rings. I love I the just, group hike. I know. I just want to watch them walking around, beautiful sceneries, joking around. That's like all I, I want. I will say that this movie did a lot of green screen work. It was kind of mm-hmm. um, interesting to compare it to Lord of the Rings, which shot on location in New Zealand and had these amazing um you know like scenescapes around it but this movie was um very clearly green screened a lot of times it'd be like aslan's mane would be like rippling and the children's hair would be like stock still yeah it was also shot in new zealand though oh get out yeah and uh like uh somewhere else too but there's a lot to be discussed there re why new zealand fits the bill for white european fantasy realms yeah yeah, it is not great. Mm-hmm. I feel like I because I mean, I we'll talk about it more with Lord of the Rings. I think, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so this movie has four children actors in it, as we have mentioned, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that they all kind of struggled throughout this movie. I agree with you. I think Lucy was the best. Yeah, the youngest, I like whose name is like Georgie. Georgie Henley. Georgie Henley, which is a fake yeah. name. Yeah. I actually, I was like, wow, I really like the name Georgie. That's so cute. I like it, it reminds for a girl. me of, um, I think that George is the name of a girl of Nancy Drew's best friend is named George. I oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Her I, very masculine best friend, George. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, they should date. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Georgie is the, I mean, yeah, Lucy's the best. Mm-hmm. My favorite moment of acting 
from all of the children in this movie um, came at the very beginning when Lucy is introduced to Mr. Tum Tum, Mr. Tumness, Tumness. <laughs> uh, who's played by James McAvoy, uh, first big James McAvoy debut onto the screen, I feel like. And he's playing and a fawn. Peaked. <laughs> yeah, he peaked here with his little hairy nipples and his goat's feet. Um, he's so, so naked. He's very naked and he invites this like... 10 year old girl back to his um little like hobbit house yeah and he's like acting really weird around her and yeah he's like um would you like to hear like a song and she <laughs> makes this face that i'm sure it's not her intention but it's like yeah sure i'd like to hear a song <laughs> like kind of just like stares at the fire <laughs> and he starts playing her like a roofie song basically that yeah. lulls her into sleep so he can kidnap her um that's yeah, the scariest part of the movie for me, I think, is when she's, like, like, it feels like she's, like, being molested, basically. It's, yeah, It's yo, really creepy. It definitely does, and so does the relationship between Edmund and the White Witch. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're being overly sensitive here. It, it feels like there's a lot of uncomfortable adult-child interactions in yeah, this film. Yeah, I think, I agree, 100%. I did think about, so Tilda Swinton plays the white witch. who's the villain of the film and she has white dreadlocks. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but she comes across Edmund, who is the bad Pevensey child. Um, and she invites him up onto her evil sleigh and starts giving him candy. And she wraps him up in her fur coat, a la Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. Oh, Hustlers. Yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh. Just but- four bad bitches. <laughs> This movie also tricks you into, and the book tricks you into thinking Turkish delight is good, which I've still never had. What the fuck is in, it looks like a jelly thing. But I remember, like, the way that Edmund just wants it so bad made me want it so bad, too. Yeah. Like, I remember asking my parents for it, and my parents were like, you don't actually want that. Like, <laughs> it's not They're good. Like, this is what kids in the 40s wanted before they knew about Cheetos. Like, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, yeah. Um, I definitely identify with Edmund, though, because he's willing to throw out his whole family for some good snacks. And everyone's mean to him. Like, Peter's a fucking dick to Edmund, and that's not Edmund's fault. Yeah. And Peter does admit that, that he was too hard on him. Yeah. He was mean. He was definitely very mean to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Peter is, like, the the head king. Yeah. The little king. The main king. There's, yeah. They're all technically kings and queens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, Susan is the oldest sister, and I think she's pretty boring. Yeah. She doesn't really do much. She's her. She's dubbed Susan the Gentle. Oh, at the end, <laughs> she has she has the power of archery too. Um, yeah, which is so and like calling for help. Yeah, that's that's like another trope, though, is that women are only like armed with long range weaponry. Yeah, long-range weaponry and healing, like in Naruto. Yeah, you're right. I know, you're rewatching Naruto. I'm not (laughs) Naruto. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not rewatching it. I'm finishing it for the first time. Oh, I should. I haven't finished it either. Well, I'm finishing Shippuden. Did you start Shippuden? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you just have to skip the filler? You should finish it. It's really good. I should. I should. I should. Um... (laughs) So Tilda S. Tilda Swinty is in this movie. Yeah. Um, and she does, I think, the best performance in the whole film as the evil yeah. white witch. Of course. But bafflingly, She's... she has dreadlocks. Yeah, it's bad. I don't know. Like, 
it, it's not good. And she also has this like gown that's made of like dryer lint. Yes. <laughs> it's really weird. And it was distracting. Like when she's killing Aslan on the stone table, she has this like vulture, dead vulture around her neck and oh, yeah. its wing is like sticking up straight into her face and she's giving such a good performance that's like the strongest performance and the strongest part of the movie i would say is like her doing sure. this like speech and like killing aslan but the freaking bird wing that's on her face basically is so distracting you because you could tell it's like getting in the way of her like turning her head and like acting fully almost yeah so that was annoying it's very to me. strange that is i think the my was my favorite scene when Aslan mm-hmm. has his Christ sacrifice to for Edmund for Edmund's sins of wanting candy, um, it's very uh, dramatic. I feel like the kids give it their all and they're sad about Edmund. I mean Aslan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aslan is actually like I think really well done uh, animation wise. I think so too. They um, weren't we? At, no, maybe that was Prince Caspian, where like an actual actor played him through the kids to interact with but i think, I think that was, was this too oh okay yeah um he i mean like compare him to like the lion king lions from this year it's not he doesn't look that yeah you're right worse. it's like yeah the same yeah um and voiced by liam neeson yeah interesting yeah and aslan is jesus so i guess what annoyed me this time around interacting with this movie is mm-hmm. that it's just like really unsubtle and I think it is really like moralizing the whole time too. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. did you read any of the boxcar children growing up? I think I did, but the only, I, I liked, I, the only parts of the boxcar children that I liked and actually remember are that like they had a place for everything. Is that right? Where they like made what I like things where they like, yeah, I liked stories where they were like organized. <laughs> Well, they were extremely organized. The story I always think of the boxcar children is there's one book where they're just like, you know, it'd be really nice if we just clean the whole house for grandpa. And then the whole book is them cleaning the house as a surprise for grandpa. It felt like propaganda to give to your children. And this movie felt a little like that too. Like the kids are just like so squeaky clean and good. Mm -hmm. Um, All the other characters are either good or bad. It's there's like no real gray area, Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, except for Mister Tum Dum, who has a moment of weakness, and Edmund. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I that like I think growing up, like I know that this is it is like Christian propaganda too, and Mm. like pushing a christian agenda but i don't think i realized that when i was a kid so it didn't it's not like i was like oh this is trying to make me like believe in jesus or anything like that yeah so that's why is there any good magic in narnia or is it just like the witch has magic and she's bad uh no i think well i think it is i think deep magic quotes is like the law of the land and aslan like created it Mm -hmm. interesting yeah. Um, I think we would be remiss without mentioning that as the series continues, um, the children are offered the chance to go back to Narnia forever to live there. And Susan, which is Narnia is basically salvation. And Susan says no, uh, quote, because she's more interested in lipstick and nylons and going to parties. So she is rejected from <laughs> salvation. <laughs> I totally do not remember that part 
of the books. It's so I jarring. It. It's like, why did C.S. Lewis do that? That's crazy. Because also imagine like you're a kid and you're reading along and you're like, these children are my friends. And then mm-hmm. it's like, Susan is going to hell for yeah. becoming a young adult woman. Yeah. Wild. It's not great. Yeah. And um, and I think The Horse and His Boy, which was my favorite book, is probably racist. But I haven't read it since I was a child. But reading I mean, the like description of it again, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know. I was reading. I, I forget somewhere. But they, for the one of the movies they made, I think maybe like the third movie that no one saw. The they, Voyage of the Dawn uh, Treader. Oh, yeah. They were like, we tried really hard not to make this seem like Muslim people. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, we tried really hard to make it look like different clothing and cultural backgrounds um philip pullman writer of uh his dark materials said that c.s lewis was a a racist and a sexist so i also think that i mean if we want to compare like the chronicles of narnia to his dark materials it is his dark materials is just like a much better and less obvious like it's a much more subtle exploration of like imagination and like growing Mm. up and it just is so much it's much more deft at handling those like big topics instead of being like go through the wardrobe and if you get too old you can't come to narnia (laughs) or whatever i don't know (sighs) yeah exactly I, i i totally agree i'm i i feel like this is no one's favorite fantasy property um, I'm sure it is. Yeah, maybe like a Christian person. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I mean, but it's definitely you know fun when you're a kid. I read them and mm-hmm. uh, found the the boy actors in this movie cute. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> filled every box for me at that at that point. Yeah, and uh, it, it's a good winter holiday watch. I, I'll say that. Like mm-hmm. if you're yeah well it's 70 degrees down here so i couldn't wow. even get in on it at that level Ugh. um do you want to read one star reviews sure the plot was lame and unconvincing cliche piled upon cliche little kids suddenly able to kill huge monsters with one swing of a sword which is i mean no. it's like they're this, king. it's a magical the, world yeah and also like this is such an old property it's like this probably started a lot of like cliches too you know like (laughs) yeah exactly and Um, it's also based on the bible so yeah exactly which is full of cliches (laughs) (laughs) the other review is the only thing interesting in this movie was tilda swinton's hair oh god hard i mean it's definitely interesting (laughs) it's uh, yeah i guess you're right it's bad though there's something going on there yeah (laughs) oh um, that's the true your, evil th- yeah exactly <laughs> white people with dreadlocks um what's your final thoughts and ratings of the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe i'm gonna rate it a six okay because i still like it i think it's still fun and i mm-hmm. like i said i had that crisis about the second movie so i don't know it it just like uh, it affected you yeah it affected me I had a great time watching it with Kether in college. And Shout out, Kether. I just, yeah, I think I have warm fuzzies for it still. Although I wasn't really paying attention when I rewatched it this time, I have to say. 
So, but I think it's because I've watched it so many times. It's so that I boring. Just, like, no, I think it's because I've watched it so many times, similar to Lord of the Rings, where it's just like I can zone out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna give it a four. Okay. I knew that you were gonna go low. <laughs> it's so hard for me to watch. I don't know why. It just it just annoyed me. I'm so sorry, Kether. No. On your birthday. I know. We were like, let's do these movies for Kether. And then Bridget was like, I hate it. And I was like, we didn't consider like if I we... like Lord of the Rings, though. We'll, okay. we'll get into it. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that's a four for me. Okay. <laughs> the next movie we're talking about is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. From 2001. Webster's Dictionary defines a fellowship as a friendly association. <laughs> association. Sorry, <laughs> like British. Uh, especially with people who share one's interests. In the first installment of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings saga, the common interest held by the titular fellowship. It's a destruction of the one true ring. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, is that how you say titular? Yeah, that's how you say titular. Okay. T- um, <laughs> I was like, mm. uh, the fellowship is composed of hobbits, an elf, a dwarf, a wizard, and two, uh, well, two ordinary I know, men. I knew you were going to correct me on that, but I <laughs> forgot about him. <laughs> okay. Two ordinary men, one of which who would inspire legions of sexy dreams for tween girls in the early 2000s. Yeah. This group of bros must put aside their differences to save Middle Earth. There's a lot of commentary in that one for me. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I thought it would be funny to start it with like the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> that is funny. Def- definition of a fellowship. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, if you don't know the plot of Lord of the Rings by now. Yeah. What's going on? I read one one star review from 2001 that was like, by a book fan of Lord of the Rings and was like, uh-huh. this movie sucked. This is a terrible adaptation. I hope that these Lord of the Rings phenomena is over in 10 years and not 30 like Star Wars. I don't want to be talking about this in 20 years. And I was like, well, here we are. <laughs> the other interesting thing about watching this movie with like a more attentive eye too mm-hmm. was that this movie coincided with kind of like the birth of the internet as we know it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I can remember like getting in like watching like videos about lord of the rings or like mm-hmm. comedy videos yeah. like edits people had yeah. done or like behind the scenes and this also scenes. like came out the same year as the first harry potter movie so i feel like it like kickstarted this whoa i had no idea they coincided like that yeah so i think it like kickstarted this fantasy era Mm-hmm. Or like where good fantasy was finally able to be made because the technology like caught up to it, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And that like, um, we're like mainstream successes too. Like the Lord of the Rings movies won a ton of Oscars. Return of the King won Best Picture. The yeah, year it came out, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, because um, I honestly think this is the best one of the I three. Think- I disagree. But really? Which the is second one is my favorite. Really? Yeah. Um, I feel like this movie has the best, like, beginning to end, but I don't know. No, you're probably right. I mean, mm. I guess, I think this is my least favorite one. Interesting. And I think it's because there's less Aragorn. Oh, true. <laughs> there's not a lot of, he's just, you know, he's a little spicy side uh, yeah. relish. <laughs> and he is my favorite favorite part of these movies 
I, I just, I like Frodo's too sad. He brings it down. He's, he's a real on, downer. Frodo. So I, that's why the second one's my favorite, I think, because it is more focused on Aragorn's story and just Frodo, like, isn't even in half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Frodo and Sam's thing is so sad. Their dynamic mm-hmm. is kind of sad, too. Yeah. It feels troublesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But so, I love so, Sam. Mm-hmm, I love Sam, too. Who's mm-hmm. your favorite member of the Fellowship, Aragorn? Yeah. yeah. What about you? Sam. Sam's a close mine's, second. Mine's, mine's Sam. Yeah, I think mine's yeah. Sam. I love Sam. He's such a sweet man. So Sean Austin is like a lot older than uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah. Which I didn't realize, but that makes sense. Yeah. Elijah Wood is a little baby. He was 18 when they filmed this. It makes sense. He looks very young. Let's just bring it up now that we read we two people who reviewed these movies said that uh, Elijah Wood looks like Michael Jackson. Yeah. There was like a 2001 review on the New York times that said he looked like Michael Jackson. And then Amy Nicholson on her podcast said he looked like Michael Jackson. Yeah. And the New York times reviewer, his name is Elvis Mitchell said that Legolas is played by Armando Bloom. (laughs) And it's funny, like Orlando Bloom had this movie and then he had pirates like back to back. This was a big time for him. So that's probably why, because no one knew him yet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. this like his first thing? His, I think so. Um, Armando. And, you know, now New York Times. The- how did they let that go? I know. How did, no how did that get passed? It's still to this day is up like that. Maybe it was his name and then he changed it, though. I'm going to Google him really quickly. Oh, okay. Because. Could be. Wow, he's a long name. <gasps> Orlando okay. Jonathan Blanchard Bloom. Okay. His name is Orlando. It's not Armando. <laughs> There's well, no they, excuse they messed that up. Um, Armando Bloom. Um, I love the budding friendship between Gimli and Legolas. That yeah, I love that too. This film. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about friends. Um, yeah, which is why, like, probably why I like it so much. Like, like I was saying, like I just love that. My favorite parts of this movie are them like running across the land, and like or walking or like like pretending to like practicing sword fighting or mm-hmm. <laughs> eating those are my yeah. favorite parts yeah um agreed i that it is fun just to watch them <laughs> yeah <laughs> bicker and stuff and i think the end of the movie has such a has the biggest emotional impact out of the three for me at least because it's about like the dissolution yeah. of the fellowship yeah um and it's really sad and they're never they're never all back together until I know. The end of Return of the King. It is really sad. I feel like I definitely think you're right that it has the saddest ending. Mm-hmm. This one, even compared to the Return of the King, where Sam and Frodo will never see each other again, and they Frodo leaves to go bummer. across the seas or whatever, but go to the Middle Earth equivalent of Florida. Yeah, for the rest of his days, or Narnia. Like oh, shit, maybe Narnia they're just is like retirement. dying. <laughs> I do think that this, since this world is in no way like connected to the real world, mm-hmm. it it seems bigger. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's true. Um, like I think with Narnia, the fact that it's just Narnia, like this one, you only hear about this one country mm-hmm. in, uh, in the wardrobe. It seems a lot less like real i suppose yeah fully realized 
Yeah. Um, even though I think that's why the horse and his boy was my favorite because they did talk about other like countries and I was like, wow, like it is an actual whole other like realized world, even though it was like really problematic, <laughs> probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I mean, you could say the same thing about Lord of the Rings. Like it can, I mean, do you like want to get into? No, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so the the bad guys are all like, dude, the darkest skinned people in the the film are bad. All of them. Bad. Yeah, yeah. And I was listening to in Amy Nicholson's podcast. Is it Unspooled? She yeah. has so many podcasts that I'm like, which one is it? Um, with Paul Shear. Mm-hmm. Unspooled. Yeah. Um, he says like, oh, they get away with it because the orcs are like or at least the orakai are like spot like created they're like spot like bred in like basically a fantasy science fiction like mm-hmm. lab um but yeah it's a pit um and so that's because of that it doesn't matter that like they're just being like slaughtered or whatever and cuz they were talking about how legolas and gimli's like kill count Oh, yeah. Is kind of problematic and doesn't really age that well. But he was like, it's okay because they're just like not real people. They're like bred in this like thing. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, it it just feels very icky and like very strange, especially mm-hmm. when the rest of the cast is like all white. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the or the Orakai too kind of dress in a more like simplified way. Mm-hmm. They clearly have like different personalities and stuff because you yeah. kind of like become familiar with a few of them in some scenes yeah but um you know but still it's just like a faceless mass mm-hmm. um i wanted to find this one quote I'm looking Mm-mm-mm. oh you you pulled it out this is from an article um by damian walter in the guardian titled tokens myths are a political fantasy he writes we're left to take on trust from gandalf a manipulative spin doctor and the elves immortal elitists who kill humans and hobbits for even entering their territory when they say that the one maker of the the maker of the one ring is evil isn't it more likely that the oryx who live in dire poverty actually support sauron because he represents the liberal forces of science and industrialization in the face of a brutally oppressive conservative social order and yeah like you could say like we're reading too much into it but that is you know yeah this this quote like I was like, wow, this is great. But it also did make me laugh out loud because it was so like Gandalf the Manipulative. Yeah, I, I mean, that I part like, is a little silly. <laughs> that part is a little silly. But I think like there is his bigger point that like, yeah, it is. It is a very conservative story about like mm-hmm. the right people getting returned to power, you know? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aragorn's great, great, great grand uncle was a king. So it's like he's got to be king, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, and. Yeah, it is very, especially, okay, and then, like, when you talk about all this, it's like, we live in a world where, like, colonialism was, is real, and, like, was, Mm. was and is, like, super shitty, and this movie is, like, no, it's actually, like, good, you know, like, it, that's the fantasy part of it, is, like, I mean, besides all the other, like, literal fantasy, like, elves Mm -hmm. and stuff, like, the fact that it could be, like, forgiven and be, like, moralized as the best option for the world, I suppose. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And it is like, we did read this article, um, Mapping the Margins of Middle Earth by Camille Owens, about how, like we said with Chronicles of Narnia, that the, both of these movies were filmed in New Zealand and like what the news, like New Zealand is like not is like originally like not white yeah (laughs) but it we have like mapped our white fantasies onto it so prevalently that it makes up a huge amount of the tourism of the islands Mm -hmm. um and it's so it's so weird to think like it's so weird that that we have done that (laughs) yeah it's it's very weird and it's also like one of those arguments that's so annoying to hear from people you know if they did do like some sort of inventive gender casting you know i mean not gender mm-hmm. a race casting you know like mm-hmm. like why couldn't a hobbit have been mm-hmm. you know someone who wasn't white and they're like right. the hobbits are white and it's like the hobbits are fucking fake you know yeah <laughs> but it's also it's also i think that if like i was thinking about that too and i was like well hopefully the only people that would be making these like if we w- did want to reimagine it with like a more diverse cast like with race and gender hopefully they would be smart enough to not like be marginalizing their own people i suppose do you know mm. what i mean like that i think it would fundamentally like change the story um yeah for sure i guess also it's just that like european fantasy has become the dominant um vision of fantasy you know like game of thrones even is fantasy molded after lord of the rings you know um uh that's why it's so important to um broaden your horizon like i really wanted to read this book black leopard red wolf have you heard of this um i have it's on my list it's a fantasy novel by marlon james and it's got it got a lot of press when it came out because it's a fantasy novel that does not engage with like white european fantasy you know Mm. um so it's a it's a it's more like influenced by african fantasy uh Mm. And so it's just different than a lot of mainstream fantasy, like Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings and Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and, and Chronicles of Narnia. Um, right. There's other stuff out there. There's, you know, elves. You don't have to be super skinny. White yeah. people with blonde hair. <laughs> like porcelain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but maybe uh, real quickly, we'll talk about gender in this movie, too. Yeah, I think so. Um, there are, like, there are It'll be more quick, women cause... in the Chronicles of Narnia than in... <laughs> yeah. There's the Which beaver is... women count. <laughs> yeah. The, the spider should count in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Mary Sue a couple of years ago did a gender breakdown of gender in the Lord of the Rings, and only 19% of mentioned characters are female. So I don't know how they're even existing as a population. Uh, how, maybe yeah. that's the true uh, source of Middle Earth's woes, is that they do not have enough women. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and there's Arwen. I think her part is beefed up for the movie because mm-hmm. she's mostly just... Aragon's lady who he yeah. doesn't see from. And I think like Eowyn, I, she has this great, like really moving moment where she's like, I am no man or whatever. and kills the Nazgul in the third. We're talking, yeah. we're just talking about all these movies now. Yeah. <laughs> Not just fellowship. It's there were films at the same time. Mm. Um, and in the daily New York daily news, there is this great, um, really extensive article about uh gender and women in the lord of the rings and um 
someone says Aon makes the system work for her. She has the strength and presence of mind to get what she wants, yet she also illustrates Token's limitations in depicting strong women. She is his only detailed depiction of a woman warrior, yet not only must she cross-dress, she must completely lose her identity, cut herself off from open communication with those around her, effectively renounce her position of authority, and embrace a mood of utter despair. But someone also in this article, in response to that, said, uh, like, on the other side of it, mm-hmm. was like, the battle inside her is about honor and dignity and all values in the world that are being undermined by people like Wormtongue. Those women fought for very specific reasons to defend what they were passionate about. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, you don't have to be, like, a warrior to be a good character. Yeah. Like, I, the, you know. The interesting part in that um, passage to me is that, you know, like, mm-hmm. she has to give up the authority she already had as kind of being, like, a noble-born woman because she wants to fight. Right. Um, yeah. Because the other examples of, like, female power in these mm-hmm. movies and books are, like, powerful elf women who can just, like, kind of walk around and be like, I'm an elf, I'm immortal, you know, yeah. I'm beautiful, I have magic. Um, yeah. Which is, like really interesting and Galadriel in this movie is played by Kate Blanchett and the same article in uh, the New York Daily News has a quote from Kate Blanchett which I've never heard before apparently Mm -hmm. Tolkien kind of based he was very Christian very Catholic um, and he kind of based Galadriel off of like the Virgin Mary which is funny because Mm -hmm. she like hulks out in this movie too yeah Um, and Kate Blanchett said, you can't play the Mary figure, though. You have to have an internal sense of humanity, which in Galadriel's case is common to the elves. I also don't think mother figures actually exist, but that they are created by other people. That was like a galaxy brain moment for me, you know? Like, mother characters, yeah. no one is a mother. They're like a mother because of another person. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Pretty cool. Um, that is crazy. And I think, like, I mean, this... I think this movie and um, Chronicles of Narnia, like, so also like so reinforce the idea that like the bat, the villains or the bad people are like ugly. Yeah, that like, is you were so talking true. about this with the Dark Crystal, and I think like that is sort of just like obviously it's been done before these movies also, but I think it's just like cemented it in popular fantasy mm-hmm. that bad equals ugly yeah the hotter you are the better you are <laughs> yeah not great especially now Mackenzie, want to read these one star reviews of lord of the rings sure do you want me to do it yeah okay i can read the first one okay the main hero frodo gives the impression of a loser all the scenes in which he shows courage wisdom resolve are cut or changed He's a loser. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't disagree. <laughs> we also, it was really hard to find good pull quotes because all of the one-star reviews on IMDb were angry men who were writing, like, screeds, who were like, I'm a fan of the book. Here is every instance where they fucked up. Oh my and God. they were, like, pages long. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was, like, me with when the Harry Potter movie came out yeah, and I was oh, nine. Same. And I was like, they didn't say that exact line. Emma Watson's hair is not nearly bushy enough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the second one star review is the movie started nice. Black stuff, <laughs> black stuff all over, and bad guys who look like they need a lot of facial hair to cover their ugliness are all over the place. The middle was interesting in quotation marks. A lot of run and other stuff comparable to run. <laughs> Scenery was outstanding. <laughs> we like when they hiked. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was my favorite part. Really, though. I, it's comparable to run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, this is. Well, what are your. Bottom. Yeah. Final I meeting. hope you enjoyed this, Kether. Yeah, Kether, I hope we pleased you. <laughs> Please. I. We're going to quiz you to test if you've listened. Yeah. We're going to be like, so. No skipping through. Um, yeah. Mackenzie, I'm going to rate this an eight. Okay. I'm going to rate it a nine. I'll just love it so much. <laughs> I can like, you were saying, you texted me while you were watching and you were like, I'm actually like, this is a karaoke version where my boyfriend is just repeating all of the lines with it. And I'm the same way. Like I could just like he knows all the all of the dialogues. <laughs> the one great. I was able to get was before the Galadriel's guy friend. He says, "Tell me where is Gandalf? For I much desire to speak with him." And I got that one before he said it, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> so funny. I'm better at the second movie. The second movie is where I really shine. Shit, these movies are 20 years old. Wow. Okay. Um, We're like ready for a remake. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Amazon Prime, it's coming. Um, oh, yeah. You're right. It would really help um, us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod or email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode is going to air on February 10th, right before Valentine's Day. So we're going to be talking about two romantic movies, Pride and Prejudice and Sleepless in Seattle. PPSS. Yeah. Speaking of knowing all the lines pride and prejudice i know like all the lines we're just gonna do a live reading of it yeah (laughs) um chick flicks is researched and written by bridget hovell and edited by mackenzie chapman many thanks to tim group carlson for our music thanks for listening to chick flicks bye